Warning, this podcast contains adult language and is not suited for children. So we have a fun one for you tonight. It's me, Joe, back with you again at the Squared Circle sit-down, where I'm joining my friend Drake to talk about all things wrestling. You can join us on your podcast platform of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We're also over on YouTube, where you can like us, share us, subscribe to us, or leave a comment for us to tell us what you think. I'm really looking forward to this week's topic, so I'm going to turn things over to the host of the sit-down, at the Lion Knight 42 on Twitter, the guy who's going to make sure this episode is under an hour and 45 minutes, and I told you his name already, and it's Drake. What's up, Drake? The guy who's going to do his best and probably end up with a two-hour episode. <laughs> Hi, Joe. I do my best. Yeah, to drag it out, right? Three hours. Three hours. That's the, that's the dream. We almost made it. We almost made it last time. Uh, <clears throat> but don't worry. After last week's mega episode, we're, we're probably going to have a more reasonably timed episode this week. So how have you been this past week, Joe? I've been all right. I can't complain. It's cold. We're here in New York. My room is cold, so you'll forgive me. My heat is going to come up, and you'll probably hear it in the background every so often. Not much I can do about that. But not a terribly eventful week in the world of professional wrestling compared to the last several where we've had 79 hours of pay-per-views. Oh, I get it. You can't complain because there was no WWE pay-per-view this week. That makes sense. Well, we'll get to the Royal Rumble soon enough, so we'll get there. Yes, we will. I don't know, man. The Rumble usually at least is kind of good. Like, I, I, I usually enjoy the Rumble. Uh, almost completely irrelevant what the finish is. The Rumble's usually fun. Usually. I think 2015 was the year, right? Where it was just a god-awful year. Yeah. Where you want to bite that whole show off except for maybe one match. Which match? But- um, the, I think that was the year when we had Brock versus Seth versus Cena. Oh, wow. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's one of those Royal Rumble title matches. That's kind of overlooked, but it's a great match. But the rest of the show was an absolute dud. That's not the one where after the match or at the end of the match, Seth Rollins turns into a wear undertaker. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. That was Seth versus Brock one-on-one, I think. Okay. It's it's just it's been a while and it's crazy how long Brock Lesnar's been around. Not the topic of tonight's yeah. episode, but it's crazy how long Brock Lesnar's been around now. Like blown his first run out of the water at this point. A hundred thousand percent. And I don't know, maybe Brock Lesnar will come up later. I don't know. Predictions uh-huh. I'm just gonna throw that out there. So that seems like a good segue. What are we talking about this week, Joe? Well, this is a topic that I know you wanted to do for a while, and I've never really thought about this until you brought this up, to be honest with you. And I know people do it for other things, but it's who's on your Mount Rushmore. And even recently, we were discussing what the hell does that even mean, where I took it one way, you meant it another way of, is it your favorites? Is it who you think the best are? Is it people who are just significant? What does that mean? So... You took it to mean best, and I think you actually laid it out as who are the best that had a significant impact on the business, right? Like, that's how you framed it. Yes. Uh, which helped me out a lot, because otherwise I'd have been like, it's these four people easily. Um, 
I took it to mean who are your your favorites that are also like significant because otherwise there'd be people like Cesaro on my list that I just like a lot, but unfortunately he's not a world champion or something. And there goes my heat. Hey. But yeah, so we're gonna do a Mount Rushmore episode, right? Yeah. Um, and because we did take it different ways and work on two very different lists, we just decided to say fuck it. We're gonna do both. Yeah, so two Mount Rushmores. Just all the mountains. We're gonna just uh chisel all the faces up there. And we're gonna alternate going one by one back and forth. I don't know which one you want to start with. You want to do best first or favorite first. Doesn't matter to me. You just pick one. And we can just go one, two, three, four, back and forth, back and forth, and discuss like why you picked that person. You know, why you think why they're your favorite, why you think they're the best, what did they do, you know, why them over somebody else. And obviously there's gonna be maybe a couple overlaps between us, but then there's also gonna be ones of oh, who the hell did we leave off? Who was in consideration? honorable mention why the heat doesn't want me to talk it's fine there's a number uh one of the things that i said to you uh earlier today when we were discussing this was i wonder how many of the people on our respective lists have had like iconic feuds which i think is going to be a really interesting thing to see too uh if we're just sort of flipping a coin for it i figure why not start with our favorites that way we can have some time to present these things that maybe may not be factual because it's all opinion-based. And then we can get a little more into the nitty-gritty for what we consider the best. Works for me. Uh, so who do you, do you want to start? Do you want me to go first? Do no, why, to... don't, why don't you start us off? Okay. All right. So I'm going to just pull up my list here before I forget people's names because who would I be if I didn't know who my favorite wrestlers were? <laughs> So I discussed this with you also that for mine, and we don't know each other's lists. So that's also a fun piece of that just for us. Yeah, that's that's something very much worth putting out there. We purposefully avoided discussing it before we came on here. So I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. I want to see how much overlap there is. So my number four, because I have these, you know, very clear one, two, three, four for both of my lists. So I'm going to work from the bottom up. My number four on my favorite wrestler of all time list is Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, I've talked about Eddie before and his legacy. We talked about it coming out of full gear. Eddie Guerrero is somebody that I grew up watching. I think you'll see a common theme in some of my picks for this with that. But Eddie was not somebody that I gravitated toward immediately in I think I've told people this before. I started watching in the year 2000. So Eddie was a part of the Radicals coming over to WWE from WCW. He was one of the guys in the group. He eventually turned into Latino Heat, starts uh, hooking up with China, uh, gets a couple of mid-card title wins here and there. But he wasn't really like blowing anything out of the water at that time. He also, I think, still was going through some substance abuse issues. And uh, also with injuries, like various times, he spent away from the company. Coming back in 2002, when he really started to hit his stride, started having a heel run. I think he was IC champion at the time, things like that. Matches with guys like Rob Van Dam. And then you have the brand split and the SmackDown 6 and he and Chavo, tag team champions and all that stuff. 
lie, cheating, and stealing. That's when it started to connect with me. And I don't need to go on and on about like all of what Eddie did in his career and everything, but part of it is the character. Part of it is the legacy, the respect that people put on his name every time they talk about him and what he contributed to the business. And also, yeah, the feuds and the matches. There are Eddie Guerrero matches with Kurt Angle, with Brock Lesnar, with tagging with Chavo, with the other members of the SmackDown 6, uh, one-on-one matches. You could even go back and watch his matches with guys like Rey Mysterio or Chris Jericho or something like that, you know, pre-WWE. And it's all there. It's all there. I could go back and watch an Eddie Guerrero match now and I'll be entertained. And that's something that I think a lot of these picks are going to have in common for me, where they stand the test of time. And it was difficult to put him on my list. He's number four for a reason, because I have so many other names that are in consideration. Like, I like a lot of wrestlers. I deferred to Eddie specifically, because one, he's easy to talk about. He's easy to like. And I think a lot of wrestling fans that got to watch Eddie work can share that sentiment where he just became so lovable by the end of his, unfortunately, not just his career, but his life that you could look back on that and say, yeah, that's something that is going to live forever with me. And it transcends just WWE, the company, but like wrestling as a whole and even culturally to a lot of people like, the name Guerrero, the name Eddie Guerrero means something. And that's why he's on my list over a couple of other people. I think those are some fantastic reasons. I don't think anyone could ever fault you for having Eddie Guerrero on that list. When I think of Eddie Guerrero, the first thing that always comes to mind, which I never really forgot about, was the Eddie Guerrero versus Edge ladder match from 2002 on SmackDown. I think it was it was September something. I forget when. But I yes. know it was a September. Man, what a match that was. And yeah. you watch these two guys, both phenomenal talents, and especially at that point in their career where they were, like, really peaking. Uh, well, I guess that's debatable. Like, Edge would, would peak again later. But having his first, like, major, major time in the spotlight... Uh, man, what a phenomenal match that was. Just yeah, There's nothing I can say about Eddie Guerrero that, um, that you didn't say. With that said, while not my number four, Eddie Guerrero is also on my list. So I'm, yeah, I figure it makes more sense for me to get that out now than well, to come back to it later. Them. I, I ordered, order I, I did order them. I just did oh, it the okay, last okay. second. <laughs> oh, all right. well, well, I beat you to it, and I went first, so there you go. Yeah, that's fine. So, so then, fine. Uh, it's a wash. My mine is Eddie Guerrero. Your turn. <laughs> okay, but no, no, no. Well, what, what, where, if you had to put them in order, where would he be? Like, he's not number one, right? But he's so, not number. So these, so so for my favorites, he's tied for second. So if I look okay. at if I look at my favorites and I have to number them, it's one tied for second, fourth. Okay, and he's totally... he's tied for second. Okay, so and just one thing off of that, like that feud with Edge, I remember. I think it was from like a DVD extra or something that I watched back in the day. One of them, I forget because like they both had things 
where that SmackDown match was like not the first match in their feud. They had one on pay-per-view like before that, and they both were so unsatisfied with how their pay-per-view match went. Uh-huh. They worked so hard on that SmackDown match because they were like, no, 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 no. We both can do better. So <laughs> if we can do it on TV, screw it. We'll do it on TV. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it was great. It was totally great. Yeah, and they they absolutely did. Blew the fucking roof off. And it segues perfectly because my number three is Edge. Nice. Um, yeah, Edge is somebody else that I almost deliberately didn't mention with the Eddie Guerrero stuff because I was like, I'm going to talk about this anyway. Um, Edge is somebody that resonated with me much faster than Eddie did because of his position in the company where Eddie was in this four-man group that he wasn't the top guy and then they split up and never really accomplished much and he was a heel that wasn't really hitting home for like you know what was i a 12 year old at the time watching um edge was in different ways because he in edge and christian at the time you know feuding with the hardys and dudleys and everybody else having ladder matches and tlc matches and tables matches and all this other stuff and then almost what a year into me watching he splits up with christian goes solo has uh, the king of the ring run where he has matches with like i think rhino and kurt angle and wins the king of the ring and then wins the ic title feuds with christian keeps going i i'm not going through everybody's career every single time i do this but that's where it started and then again smackdown six brand split and you had him and Rey mysterio in one of my favorite matches uh where they didn't win the tag titles in the finals of that tournament, but eventually would. And unfortunately for Edge, a lot of his career was derailed due to injury. And that sucks. And it's amazing that he's back now. So not even counting this run, like it's great that he's back, but just ignoring this, going back to his other stuff, he gets derailed by injury multiple times. So the start stops or something that can completely ruin somebody's career sometimes in the push, but then he still gets to that main event level. It, money in the bank, cashes in multiple times, the first person to ever do that, um, wins the world title multiple times, has feuds with The Undertaker and John Cena, and then unfortunately, you know, has to retire. But that's over a decade later. I think 2010 was when he left and I had been watching him since 2000. So he out there 10, 11 years and all of it comes together for me in terms of his matches where I always felt like watching an edge match. He feels like a real person. He feels like a real wrestler who's going out there, who knows who his opponent is and he's trying to beat them. And yeah, he had like the ultimate opportunist, the rated R superstar stuff. That that's all great, but yeah. So like again, you're you're not gonna fight to find a moment involving him, but in his actual matches, like go back and watch his main event of WrestleMania match with the Undertaker. And I'm looking at that match and saying like, there's no chance in hell Edge wins this match. But there were split seconds in that match where you felt like Edge was gonna win that match. And it felt like The Undertaker had to work to beat him because Edge had worked to try to win. And he did that with John Cena multiple times. 
He did that with The Undertaker. He's done that with Randy Orton. He's done that with other opponents too. I'm I'm gonna forget so many of them because there are so many of them. Like Chris Jericho is another one that he's worked really well with. So there's just this volume of edge that I feel like I could go back and watch. And fortunately, and fortunately for him, he's still able to do that now. Maybe not to the same speed that he was before, but he's still out there and he can still tell those stories. And I think that's great. That's all of that together. That's why he's on my favorite list. Oh man. So going back to like, going back to like watching him as a kid, SmackDown after the whole thing split with him and Christian and the King of the Ring, which you've covered pretty extensively. Again, there's the match with him and Eddie, right? And then there's, I'll never forget the feud with The Undertaker. So many, you said you'll never fail to find a moment, and you're so right. There are so many of them. There are so many moments in that feud. His feud with John Cena, which which was his just like real like crowning as as like a top heel, were such phenomenal programs from beginning to end. And the way that he grew and adapted and and could make you emotionally engaged in the matches he was in was always so awesome uh yeah and i'm a, I'm a huge fan of his unfortunately he didn't make my list but i will use it as a segue into my my number four slot because he does have something in common he was in a tag team my number four is the revival i cannot overstate how much i love the revival they are i i'm not the biggest fan of tag team wrestling i don't hate it i have nothing against it it's not a negative but a lot of my life was two things uh when it comes to wrestling it was the wwe where you had this interesting concept of of what tag teams meant and how they worked and there were really like there was a cap on what that meant and you could have awesome tag team matches when you put the big tag teams together, but you could also have matches that, that were just like a waste of time because they were tag team matches. Uh, whether it be because, you know, the Dudleys are obviously going to win or Edge and Christian are obviously going to win or because there just wasn't a lot of emphasis put on its relevancy. Um, but with that said, we also were lucky enough that when we were kids, we had so many amazing tag teams. So, and as we grew up and WWE kind of shifted away from tag teams matter slowly over time, it, it sort of, I fell out of love with it. Enter the revival. NXT, my God, these guys versus like DIY and their matches with, specifically their matches with um, Gable and, and Jason Jordan, uh, American Alpha. I don't know why I couldn't think of the name, but their matches with like American Alpha are maybe some of the best tag team matches of all time. My goodness, I will never, never get over the way that those matches could leave you feeling exhausted by the time they're done, and all you were doing was just sitting there watching them. Uh, Dash Wilder maybe has one of the greatest minds active in wrestling right now. A lot of people uh, will say the same thing, so I don't feel crazy when I make that statement. Um, both of them... Oh, that's not his name anymore. That's my fault. Um, yeah, it's either uh, Dax it's Harwood Cash, or Cash, Cash Wheeler. Wheeler. I'm so sorry. Cash Wheeler has one of the most amazing minds in wrestling right now. But it, it's so true. And if you go back and you watch any of the matches that he has, that they have 
with any of these tag teams, especially in NXT, but even after they've left, not as much on Raw because, unfortunately, there was a lot of back and forth, and uh, we're not going to get into too much of that because there was so much missed opportunity. But on NXT, in AEW, there's so many times where you can kind of watch him work where he's calling a lot of things uh, or just the way that he responds to certain like actions that happen in the ring, right? Uh, they are so good at hearkening back to the really classic like tag team days as well, which is phenomenal. It's so rare you get to see a team like the Brain Busters pretty much nowadays where especially tag team wrestling has leaned a lot more towards being spot heavy or really fast paced. Uh, they, they really reintroduced something that we had been sorely lacking because if you look at a lot of the other guys who did similar stuff to them in the years preceding them, they kind of were there to lose. They were there to get spotted on. They were there to get outpaced, but that's not what they did. They came in and said, we're a tag team. Tag team wrestling is good. We're going to show you why we're the best tag team wrestlers, and we're going to do it without any of these frills. Uh, um, and I got so excited when we had the first couple of exchanges between them on Twitter years and years before it became a thing. I'll never, with them and the Young Bucks, I'll never forget how I marked out the first time they came out in the FTR trunks on Raw. And there's just, there's no shortage of amazing matches from them, both NXT, both on NXT, in, uh, on Raw, over on they were on SmackDown for a while too, right? It it slips my my memory. If but, they were, it was brief because they're running on the main roster of WWE. It was never that good. Sure, but I distinctly remember them. Um, so they had the the three stars on their tights and on their jackets at one point that represented the three tag team titles because they had won all of them. So I know they they at least were SmackDown tag team champions. Whether or not they were on SmackDown when that happens is very hard to say. Um, but either way, then coming to AEW, they've had some phenomenal matches. Uh, there's definitely a, kind of a split crowd about their match with the Young Bucks, and I can understand that. I'm sure we'll run it back eventually. And in my opinion, they, and again, it's biased because they're on my list of favorite wrestlers in the world, they are definitely the greatest tag team in the world right now. Yeah, as somebody who I think Dem versus DIY was one of my favorite feuds, not just of that year but of all time that series of matches was so good and much like a lot of these other things like like i'll go back to edge for a second he and john cena had that like hulk hogan roddy piper relationship of like you're this white meat baby face hero and i'm i'm this dastardly villain and so i'm getting people to hate me which makes them love you more and you could see that with the DIY and revival relationship too, where, okay, yeah, DIY is very much like the part of this story that matters a lot right now. Like people are following them because they want to see their journey, but they're only getting over to this extent because they could have these stellar matches with this dedicated tag team, which is, as you described, like they're a throwback. They're, they were described as such an NXT as well, which was the brilliance of NXT, but like they're a throwback team to like the brain busters and, and these really old school mechanical 
teams that just know the rules and they are not, neither one of them is world championship material, but together they are just better than any other pair. And that's what makes a damn good tag team. I, I love it. I love the pick. Like, I'm, I won't lie. Like, I thought about that series of matches when I was making the list. And I was like, how could I represent that? But I never would have picked either team to be like, oh, yes, they're my favorite. So, I mean, good on you for doing it. Even if it means you have five faces on your mountain. That's okay. They can share one. You have a little Tully right in the center of them. <laughs> You gonna do like a two face thing? Like half the face is one of them, half the face is the other. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what you do. It's perfect. Yeah, right. Yeah. Real estate. Okay, so my number two. I don't need to look at a list anymore because I know who these people are. Uh, I apparently have a theme going, which I noticed uh, after constructing this list. I promise I will go in a different direction for my number one. But and I also think there might be like a greater than. chance we have the same person as number two on our list. Maybe, maybe I might be way off. My number two is Kurt Angle. It's, it's again, this is me growing up. The year 2000 is when I started watching wrestling. Who was champion in the year 2000? Piece of shit, Kurt Angle. And it's one of my favorite title reigns of all time because of that. And I'm not doing the whole thing again. You know, Kurt Angle if you haven't seen a good Kurt Angle match, you probably haven't seen a Kurt Angle match because he has so many damn good matches. We, you mentioned last week about his match with Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania could, could be argued to be the best WrestleMania main event of all time. That's very possible. I'm not here to argue for or against it right now, but Kurt Angle is one of the best wrestlers of all time. Kurt Angle, his run in WWF to WWE, be it feuding with guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, The Undertaker, all the way up to like Rey Mysterio. I watched his match with Rey Mysterio that opened SummerSlam in 2002. It's one of the best opening matches to a show ever. And I don't think it was the best match on that show, but if you wanted to argue for it, sure, by all means, they do not stop moving for like, eight minutes or something. It's great. His matches with so many people, Brock Lesnar, their Iron Man match on SmackDown. He's one of the only people ever to make Hulk Hogan tap out. Um, That is a hell of an achievement. And I'm happy Kurt Angle is still around and still as healthy as he is now, because man, was he not for a very long time. And I'm just such a fan of him. I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of his character. I'm a fan of all the things. He's another guy that feuded with Edge. Uh, He has done so much in a wrestling ring. He has given so much of himself to wrestling rings that I will always look back on Kurt Angle and his career fondly. I will always be able to put a Kurt Angle match on and say, damn, he's so good. I, I know this is not his thing, but He's not the human suplex machine, but like, man, he could have been. And he's not the excellence of execution, but damn if he wasn't. Like, I love him. Kurt Angle, awesome. So, I do have more to say about Kurt Angle, and it's not going to be like an Eddie Guerrero thing where I'm like, yeah, you've said everything. I have so much more to say, and we'll get to it. 
because he's not my number two. <laughs> Actually, so my number two, as I said, is a tied spot between Eddie Guerrero and Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper, for a guy who never won a world championship, should have won a world championship, never won a world championship, is maybe one of the most entertaining guys to watch at any given point, on any given day, almost for anything you're doing. If you want to watch good wrestling, classic, actual, bell-to-bell wrestling, Piper can do it. If you want to watch storytelling in the ring, bell to bell, Piper can do it. He can be the shit heel. He can be the underdog. He can go from one to the other in the same match. The promos that this man can cut are the promos that this man could cut are maybe, maybe the greatest promos of all time. And if not, they are goddamn in the top three, maybe top five if you really want to make that fight. But Everything about this guy was living, breathing, eating, sleeping, being, wrestling. He he exuded it from every pore. Uh, and, and there's, again, no shortage of moments when it comes to Roddy Piper either, where he's been with everyone in, in his time period. He's worked with all of them. Every, like, major world champion, memorable feud with Piper. Every name that maybe wasn't a world champion, but that people remember now, worked with Piper. The guy was phenomenal at what he did and influenced the idea of what a heel was and what a promo was and how characters should interact forever. And I will never say no to someone being like, hey, do you want to watch Roddy Piper anything? Fuck, throw on They Live, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm down. I don't even care. As long as Piper's in it, I will be there. And, yeah, Roddy Piper is a guy who was on my short list to be number four. He 100% was. I love Roddy Piper to death. And the matches are there, too. Like, like they're really good quality matches, too. A lot of people will point to the main event stuff, and you kind of have to look at who was he working with. Like He can only get so much out of, like, a Hogan. But watch his match with Bret Hart. Like, dude could work. Like, he's really good. He just didn't always have to show it like that because he could talk it. And, yeah, I love Piper. I love Piper so much. And on a different day, he would have been on my list as well. But he's not my number one. But my number one is from the same era. Oh, very exciting. Yes. Uh, My number one... And this has a lot to do with my dad because my dad did watch wrestling during like the seventies and eighties. And he fell off a bit afterward as I guess, you know, wrestling went into a slump. He got to a different stage in his life. Like it happens. Yeah. My father was the same way. I I think as we did going into like the 2010s and stuff where, you know, wrestling fell into a slump and there's not really any competition and the product has gotten stale and it's not that great. That's not what we're here to talk about. So watching older wrestling stuff is sometimes difficult, especially when you grow up coming out of the Attitude Era where you have all these gigantic, brash, abrasive characters that are colorful, but they're more like edgy colorful versus like the bright, vibrant colors of like the Ultimate Warrior, who is not my number one. 
Um, but he has the colors too. Uh, and that man is uh, Randy Macho Man Savage. He is 100% my number one. He is somebody that I was able to bond watching wrestling with my dad with. Um, he knew him from the era, the whole relationship with Elizabeth. These were all things that even not watching for a decade, my dad still remembered. And he could, he feuded with everybody. He feuded with Hogan, obviously his match with Steamboat. He had matches with guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels too. And you can go forward into his WCW run, but I wasn't much of a WCW person. So I didn't see as much of that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately he has since passed away. So we're not going to get to see too much anymore, but for what he gave us from that era, this guy somehow walked in two different worlds. One that was demanded and that was you had to look the part. You had to be like this bodybuilder type who could go out there and pick up Andre. But also on the flip side, he was an athlete. And he could go out there and win sit-up competitions and, you know, go work for 30 minutes if he needed to. Like, I, I know he didn't go out there forever, but WrestleMania four, like, guy worked, what, four matches? I know they were short, but still, like, you try going out there and working four matches in the same night. Not too many people do that. He's somebody that I believe if you had Iron Man matches back then could have had one and he wouldn't have been gassed at 60 minutes. And he, you know, the top rope flying elbow and, and all that stuff. Like dude was more than a complete package. Was he crazy? Yeah, totally crazy guy. I get it. But his character, who he was, selling you Slim Jims and having that crossover appeal, like, he's one of those people that somehow his legacy has endured almost in spite of the company that he worked for. And that's unfortunate to say, but his legacy is just dripping in what made wrestling so great in that era. And that was the ability to tell these stories in the ring, on the microphone, over long periods of time, because you didn't have pay-per-views every single month. People love to point out that year-long feud between Hogan and Andre, which lasted way more than a year. But, like, they love to point that out. Which also, every time it gets told now, Andre weighs more and it was in front of more people, brother. <laughs> yeah, and Hogan broke more parts of his back. It's ridiculous. But look at the story of Macho Man from that time. He was an evolving character. He kept growing and changing. He was solo, then he was with Liz, then he was a, a mid-carder, then he was a mid-card champion, then he was a main eventer, then he was a main event champion, then it all started falling apart. He was part of the mega powers. Then he went crazy and he became the bad guy. That lasted years. And then they split up and then they get back together and all of that stuff. Hell, he might have the best match with the ultimate warrior. It's quite possible. I haven't watched every warrior match to know, but it's possible. It's up there. 
if anyone was going to be the person to do it, it'd be him. Yeah, it's like him or like Rick Rude or Jake Roberts or something. But like, you know, that, that's a hell of a short list. If you think that somebody from that era, like Rick Rude or Jake Roberts, is possibly one of the best in-ring wrestlers from that era, the fact that you could put Randy Savage on the same level or maybe even a higher level than them is high praise. Combine all of these things, who he was, the look, the flair, the music. He's one of the first wrestlers from that era to consistently have a theme song. You know, be bomb and circumstance what it is. Still, doing all of that, combine that also with the ability to bond with my dad over watching wrestling. That's why he's my number one. And it wasn't a question. This was this was the one that was easy on my list. Those are like the best reasons in the world, though, right? It's true what they say: the cream always rises to the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I he he was amazing. He was incredible, and it it is unfortunate what happened later in his life. His match at WrestleMania eight, the first time that the WWF title wasn't the main event, absolute travesty, absolute travesty. But. Yeah, no, absolutely. His entire his entire career just phenomenal. So that brings us back to uh, someone you already mentioned because my number one is Kurt Angle, and yeah. you know, honestly, so so like you said, I hadn't numbered it, but the moment that I'm like, oh shit, I should number this because I know you have Kurt Angle is like the easy number one for me. He's the easy number one. I even as a kid, I was always a sucker for technical wrestling. I I've always admired the concept of skill. You know, uh, even as a child, I did like judo. I did some jujitsu, which I did a lot more as I got older. And so I was always very interested in the technique. I loved those people. And so here's a guy like Kurt Angle who could do so much and not just what he did in the ring, right? Like there's no question that maybe the best, definitely one of the best Matt wrestlers of all time. But even past that, he he also, kind of like what you said about uh, Randy Savage, evolved over time in, in a really organic way most of the time. And, and the way that he could shift from one place to another was always so impressive to me. He could be the ridiculous doof who kept talking about how Rey Mysterio was a boy he was going to climb on top of. And then two weeks later, be this aggressive monster wrestler who's just like targeting your weak spot and targeting your weak spot like a bulldog who just won't let you go and it's phenomenal it's so cool seeing him able to do these transitions in a way that didn't feel forced uh which is also true of his wrestling we grew up spoiled right uh the smackdown six like without question is probably the greatest gaggle of talent to ever exist on a major American promotion at any given time in history. And there were so many phenomenal matches. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 20 is another one that I love to talk about where, uh, so I said this a lot back then, and I still I still hold it to be true now. Eddie Guerrero defeated Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Eddie Guerrero won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 20 by beating Kurt Angle, right? Because there's, like, no question. We all know how that went. Goldberg takes out Lesnar. Eddie Guerrero just, like, flops on him. And it's great. It's great that Eddie got to be the champion. 
but you really needed a way to legitimize the guy? Well, here's a handful of people that he's had this phenomenal matches with, and Kurt Angle is, is like, on fire as a heel at that point. So you put them together, and they, they really do put on this crazy good match, and it's not even Kurt Angle's best WrestleMania match. It's not. You look at you look at Lesnar. Lesnar Angle is, is another one that's just, like, unreal. There's there's no shortage of, of like you said, of Kurt Angle matches that, are, if you've never seen a good Kurt Angle match, you've never watched a Kurt Angle match. And even when he went to TNA, and unfortunately there are some downtimes, but man, Kurt Angle AJ Styles, Kurt Angle Samoa Joe might be one of my favorite Kurt Angle matches of all time. And I'm like, you could say which one, and I'd say all of them. All of them, because that's the right answer. Uh, even though there were times, like when Sting came in to work with uh, uh, TNA, he maybe wasn't at peak condition, but even seeing him and Angle together was phenomenal. There were so many different opportunities that Kurt Angle got to have uh, that that really were above and beyond what you would see with anyone else. And you look at how much he's done now for talent who have come in since and the way that he's created this sort of acceptance uh, uh, and almost desire in fans to see that particular kind of pointed technical, like amateur wrestling, right? Because even though there were people who did it before him, he did it better. And since then, you've got these guys who very much, you, you can tell, have taken so much from him. Jason Jordan, uh, whether or not they share a genetic code. Chad Gable, uh, uh, even looking at like the way that Charlie Hosh and Shelton Benjamin were coming out of Team Angle, Zack Sabre Jr. is another great example of a guy who just like really took that and went with it. Jeff Cobb uses a lot of the same stuff that Kurt Angle does and even just presents himself in the ring on the mat the same way Kurt Angle does. Uh, no one had a, has a better looking German suplex than Kurt Angle does. No one has a better belly to belly suplex than Kurt Angle does. These are straight, honest facts, and I will fight, bare-knuckle fight in any alley you want to defend this statement. Yeah, you're never going to channel Kurt Angle in your wrestling game and have it go poorly for you. Like, if you are channeling Kurt Angle, you're doing something right. Yep. And much to everything you said, like, dude worked with everybody, all the top talent in all of the companies that he was in, and pretty much for every single one of them, it's like, oh, what about him? Yeah, worked with him. I can tell you a good match to go watch. You know, Triple H, Stone Cold, Undertaker, The Rock, you know, hell, there's probably a good one with Rikishi too. Like, they're all there. You know, Edge, Eddie, Rock, AJ, Joe, like all these people. Like, he's worked with all these people. And he's worked well with all of these people. If the match didn't go well, it wasn't because of him. Yeah. I, I cannot fault anybody for picking Kurt Angle for anything when it comes to professional wrestling. Yeah, I I, th I mean, these are both really solid lists. I think we both have a lot of really good picks. Uh, and I, I think people would be hard-pressed to debate any of them. With that said, you know, it's it's still... Uh, it's going to be different from one person to another. Yeah, which is, you know... Subjective. Yeah, yeah, it's subjective. And that's one of the best things about something like the art of wrestling, right? Is something for everyone and something different for everyone different, which is fine. Um, 
Yeah, and there are a lot of names that didn't make this list. Uh, I've I've said before what an absolute nerd I am for certain people. Taz was almost on this list. Taz is definitely in my top ten. Uh, again, it's it's the suplexes, it's the judo. These are things that will win me over every single time. And so when I was younger, like not even just as a kid, but like as I was growing up, there was a time in my life where I was dead set on this, and I'm like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. That's what I'm going to do. And I've always been, you know, a, a short gentleman. So seeing guys like Taz were a big was a big deal. Here's this guy who. Uh, regardless of what you want to say about the value of of the world championship in ECW, here's this guy who's a short guy who isn't like ripped or jacked, who has a that like very uh, uh almost fantasy dwarf frame, and is their world champion and is cutting these great promos and is suplexing everyone everywhere, and is using judo in a wrestling ring. And that was amazing to me. And it was it was one of those things that just absolutely enamored him to me. Yeah, I Taz is a surprising one. I understand why. And thank you for explaining why. He's not somebody that would have made my list because I never had that attachment to ECW like that. Um, I do really like Taz. And again, send Hook. But, it, you know, Hook is somebody that maybe he'll be on my list one day. I, it's like three matches in. I like him a lot already. So, like, who knows? I had, I joked to you that I was going to have like a 16 person tournament to fill my number four slot, mm-hmm. but it was really down to like a handful. And as I said, Roddy Piper was somebody on that short list. The Undertaker was somebody on that short list. Um, and I tended to skew toward people who are, unfortunately, they've either passed away or they've retired, their career's over. You know, there's, Obviously, people that I've omitted because, like, I just don't like them as people. Um, so there's that. But so two particular names fell off because they're still current. So, like, a good chunk of their career is still yet to be determined. The first one is CM Punk. I'm a big fan of his. He doesn't make my list based on what he's done yet. But he might. And I think that's because we never got a closure to his career. And I think when it's all said and done, maybe the complete package of everything with a, he rides off into the sunset and it's actually over this time rather than, I don't like this. I quit I'm not saying for the reasons that he was a whiny crybaby or anything like that. I understand why, but still for fans of his who did not get any closure back then, it'd be nice to get some now. And the second name is actually the only woman I considered. And that's Becky Lynch. I'm a huge fan of Becky Lynch. Have been because how one of the first NXT events that I watched was Unstoppable, which is the first one where she came out with the red hair and everything, full steampunk attire. She, she did the, the, the Chandra cosplay. Yep. yep, full Chandra. And her versus Sasha. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I, I get it for both of them. But Becky was always the one where I was like, there's potential here and they're just not looking at it for the longest time. And then it finally clicked and it all started taking off. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a star. That's a star right there in a way that nobody has been in this division in a long time without them forcing it. 
she didn't force it it just happened yep. and you know like i don't want to be like a hipster like oh i was a fan of becky lynch before she was the man but like i was and and when that happened i was super excited for it now it's since cooled off a bit now the whole division's cooled off a bit wwe their booking all that jazz <sighs> but there's always the potential she's still there she still has a long way to go I don't know what's in store for her in the future, but if you ask me to make this list 10 years from now, there's a chance she's on it. So there are two, two other people that I deeply considered. Um, and for one of them, a very similar reason why they didn't make this list to what you said before, their career is active. Um, and I don't think it'll be active for much longer, but I'm not, I don't want to put them on this list because I don't want to acknowledge the fact that even though they're past peak, they are probably not going to get the capstone that they deserve. That's Tetsuya Naito. Tetsuya Naito is probably, with the understanding that the four names, technically five names on my list, only one is active and it's a tag team. Tetsuya Naito is probably my favorite current singles competitor. Currently active. Currently active. And for for so many reasons, and we've talked a little bit about Naito before, and I could sit here and sing Naito's praises forever, um, but this is a guy who really has had such an interesting story leading him through his career and following him through his career and has really connected with fans in a way that not many people do, where really a lot of Naito fans are these ride-or-die people who will be there no matter what because the things he represents are things that can resonate with everyone. And the frustrations he's had and the decisions he's made based on those frustrations. The guy had a long-term feud with a wrestling championship belt. And that's incredible. The 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 swagger that he has, the way that he counter-wrestles people, he's so much fun. He didn't make this list because at the end of the day, I also tried to veer towards people whose careers were over... Um, but I had to put the revival on this list. And at that point, I'm like, I, I couldn't really see putting anyone else active here, especially Naito, who probably only has a couple years left in his knees. And I am absolutely terrified that even though he's had two runs that weren't amazing, he'll never get the world championship run he deserves. The other name I'm not going to mention right now because she will come up later. Okay, I'm excited for that one. And I'm genuinely surprised because I thought Naito would have been on your list. Just from talking to you, I know you're a big fan. A huge fan. And if you haven't seen, you maybe have by this point, uh, Wrestle Kingdom Night 3. Yeah. Which we didn't really talk about. Just go back and watch the entrance of LIJ. Like the group entrance of all of them. I'm like, it's so cool. They look like they're something out of an anime. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, like Bleach or something. It's just, they're an awesome group of misfits. Yeah, I love him. I love him. I love him so much. But, yeah. you know, that's why the, that's the only reason he's not on that list. That's it. And you know what? If we revisit this topic in a couple of years and he's he's retired by then, hands down, he's on this list. I don't know who I'm replacing, but hands down, he's on this list. One half of the revival. <laughs> you have to pick that's one. It. So it's just going to be Dash, Wheeler, and Naito as one. It's, that's the new half and half. Yes. Thirteen now. <laughs> I'd watch that team. I'd watch that team a thousand times. 
Okay, so if that's that's the favorites, uh, just running over them one more time. Uh, so for me, going going from bottom to top is the revival in the number four spot, and then tied for second is Eddie Guerrero and Rowdy Roddy Piper, and then at the top is Kurt Angle. Okay, for me it is Eddie Guerrero, then up to Edge, then up to Kurt Angle, and then Macho Man Randy Savage. Solid. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny if you look at at least two of your picks. Um, they're guys who, without a doubt, were at least somewhat inspired by Macho Man. Like, you can you could just see it in the way that they present themselves, right? Like, Eddie Guerrero obviously has a lot of the lucha stuff because that's where he started and that's where he really, like, cut his teeth. But when he came and started Americanizing the way that he wrestled, you can see a lot of the ways that he, he took things that Macho Man would do and used it as, like, kind of an anchor point to blend with uh with his like lucha libre and and edge has always kind of felt like a macho man parallel he's always felt like kind of the macho of our time in a lot of ways yeah 100 percent. i definitely agree with that and you know edge grew up watching that era like he tells the story of wrestlemania 6 and watching hogan and warrior and everything but like savage was there like he obviously knew that he saw his career so like yeah it's easy to see where he got the inspiration for a lot of who he is as a professional wrestler from okay so that brings us to the second half of this uh podcast the best so there's no possible way that we're going to make everyone happy and i understand that and i'm gonna preempt that by being perfectly honest I am confident that by the time this episode is over, there are people who will straight up be like, fuck you, Drake. You don't know wrestling at all. And we'll be gone. (laughs) Well, that's fine. Because my list is the definitive top four best of all time. Like, it's definitive. You cannot argue it. If you want to argue it, you're wrong. Based Based on your reaction to something I said like two minutes ago, I think you're wrong. 100%. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I am a corporate chill. I was paid to write this. Okay, so I'm going to start us off for this one because we're retreading again. Um, In my number four spot, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Um, Again, best technical wrestler of all time. Influenced so many people in the way that they have approached professional wrestling since were was able to show that a character can exist on top of that kind of wrestling you didn't have to just be i'm an incredibly good wrestler and my gimmick is that i'm an incredibly good wrestler and when we get in the ring i'm gonna incredibly out wrestle you there's so much more depth to him and that permitted again something we saw a lot before then of I'm a really good technical wrestler, and that's what I do, to become so much more. And, yeah, there's other people who did the same thing, but I think that just looking at the way that he specifically has influenced things and how the people who worked with him so often came out better for it, not just in how they looked, but in how they understood what they were doing, is is such a big part of, to me, what puts him on one of the four best wrestlers in the world ever. That is totally fair. Kurt Angle is not on my list. I have no repeats on my list. None are on both. I did that specifically just because it's, you know, so damn hard to figure this shit out. 
yeah, I don't think I don't think we're gonna have any of the same people on our lists, which is why I'm so excited. Wow. Okay. So my number four, and this was one that took me a while to decide on. Because I again I had three for very specific reasons. But then the more I thought about it, the more I thought this was obvious. And it goes back to how you framed it, where it was the best who also had an impact on the business, right? And so my number four is John Cena. And I think that's a controversial pick to a lot of people, probably, because I don't think a lot of people would look and say John Cena is the best wrestler. And I would say, okay, that's fine, even though he had a five-star match with CM Punk, which a lot of other people didn't have. Okay, but a lot of people have had five-star matches with CM Punk, even if not everyone has had a five-star match with CM Punk. That's fair. I'm just saying I don't see too many Hulk Hogan five-star matches regardless of CM Punk. Yeah, and uh, Hulk Hogan had a match with Kurt Angle. wasn't a five-star match. But, uh, yeah, so it's fine. That is not my defense of why John Cena is on this list. Right. My defense of John Cena is that John Cena is perhaps, at least out of WWE, the last true superstar that they made from the ground up. He was in developmental with them. He came up, created a character over time, became a main eventer, won his first title in 2005, and won his, to this date, last world title in 2017. That's a 12-year spread, and that is a hell of a spread that many people never got to have. And you could argue about, well, people didn't get opportunities because they pushed Cena so much and all that. Okay, that's fine. I agree with you for a lot of the criticisms that John Cena got. But John Cena also, because of who he was and the era that he was present in, became one of the first internet celebrity stars that just transcended wrestling. He was a meme. He is a meme in multiple ways, you know, because of the theme song, the you can't see me, all that stuff, right? John Cena is known outside of wrestling for being a wrestler. And that is something that not a lot of wrestlers get to do anymore because they're just not as popular because the the appeal of wrestling is not what it once was. And it already started to dwindle when Cena became champion and stuff. Much to the point of what we've said so far, he has the feuds, he has the moments, he has matches. Like John Cena has more good matches than I think people give him credit for. And uh, I, I think that's a fair assessment to say. And to this date, post Cena in WWE, and maybe even some other companies too, uh, not New Japan, but like some other companies, even AEW has still getting its traction. He's the definitive face of the product for an extended period of time. And they have yet to really find the person after him where I guess you could say Roman now, but that did not work out the way they expected it to for a very long time. Cena was also that person to have that momentous polarizing response that became an entity to itself i think the the biggest point of comparison you could have maybe before that was the stone cold what chant where it it just 
came alive. It was its own thing. The let's go Cena, Cena sucks, where you have people who are genuinely fans of Cena who are still chanting the Cena sucks part. And there are people who hate him that are still chanting the let's go Cena thing just to get the damn chant going because it's a thing. It so much of who he is and what he accomplished in wrestling was about these moments, these, these things that became these, like these intangible things that have now become so common where the crowd has embraced them as entities onto themselves. He created those things. Whether or not he intended to create those things is a whole other thing, but he was a big instrumental part in their creation. And so many people since then, since he first won his championship, who did get to win the title from John Cena, they were instantly recognized as people who were successful in wrestling because of how damn hard that was to do. And yeah, they didn't all become successful megastars the way he did, but it was only a matter of time before John Cena evolved past wrestling into something else, which now he's following The Rock with going to Hollywood and stuff. But it was only a matter of time for that because I, I joked about it, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago, John Cena has one direction forward and he has like one speed, John Cena speed. That's all he does. He's a freak of nature, human being that recovers from injuries in half the time that it takes. He's a mutant. I don't know what he eats for breakfast, but like the dude does one thing really well, and that is being himself. That is being John Cena. And I credit him for that. And for all the reasons I stated, that's why I put him number four on this list. It is <laughs> what <laughs> you think I'm crazy. No. I was going to say the opposite, actually. So he's not on my list. He's not. Um, because, again, I I think that I approach this from a very different place. Uh, but <clears throat> he should be. It's very difficult, again, for the reasons that you said, to discredit the idea of John Cena being on this list. And you could argue, there are people out there who will argue that like he played such a huge role in preventing talent from getting over or that he was a big part of what created the lull in professional wrestling when it did. But the reality is you're right. John Cena is the last guy that the WWE looked at and went, we're going to, we're going to make you a star. And then they did. And I'd argue that some of it is even against like his attempts to stop that. Like when he became vanilla ice for the first couple of years of his career, which at a point was fine, but always kind of felt like uh, uh, the classic Our Fellow Kids thing. Uh, and as a heel, it was fine. And as he sort of transitioned to a face, they made the right decision pretty quickly to lean away from it and uh, slowly bring him more into line with who he who he would become famous as. Um, he had a really good support system around him for the time that he was there. You had a heel that people genuinely despised in JBL, which was a huge factor in making him. You had a lot of guys like Kurt Angle, who he had some huge matches with, including his debut, where it, it just allowed him to have that growth. And yeah, there is something so charming and charismatic and passionate about the guy that 
even when you're sitting there going, this scene sucks, you're, you're so invested, right? He could make you enjoy hating him, which was such an impressive feat when you think about it, right? Like most, most of the time you talk about like go away heat, right? Let's, that's the term that comes up. And Cena outside of a couple times in Philadelphia never really had that. You wanted him to come out so you could boo him. You wanted him to come out so you could be like, fuck you, John Cena. Or, or you know, in, in the very few instances, throw his shirt or his hat back at him. You wanted those opportunities. You weren't like, ugh, why is he on the card? And sure, sometimes you would make that argument, but very rarely on the night of. Very rarely right before he came out. Very rarely during the match. And whether you were cheering for him or cheering against him, or complaining that the person he was against wasn't interesting, because that happened a lot too, very rarely was your complaint, Cena didn't deliver. And then, yeah, he he transcended wrestling and arguably brought more people into it by going out there and being John Cena, who is known as a professional wrestler, and even now years later, where, you know, he's done a bunch of movies, um, he's... Now he's doing Peacemaker, which is supposedly fantastic, and it really breaks away from like the character he's portrayed his whole life, right? This is this is him finally doing like adult things, which is so exciting, and it it really and it's never taken away from him being John Cena the wrestler. He also, like you said, record championship reigns. Record championship reigns. That's huge. That's that's an accomplishment. And no matter how much you want to talk about, well, you know, it's booked the way it's booked because it's booked that way. There's a reason it's booked that way. And there's a lot of people who have had other records that they hold now that you will default to when you talk about what makes them great. And it's impossible to look at John Cena and go, he was a 16-time world champion. And this particular record doesn't matter. And and just for that, really quickly, the match where he ties the record, winning the title from AJ Styles, you could argue that that was John Cena's best match ever. Absolutely. And that's, and that's over a decade past the first title that he won. That's crazy. That is crazy. The guy is at the end of his career, and he's going out there and maybe having his best match ever. You know that that's not common. You know, it's it, there's a couple of specific things that you could point to in his career, like uh, ECW uh, was one night stand when he faced RVD, right? That's something that you alluded to right there. Very hostile environment for him, going facing CM Punk in Chicago, hostile environment for him. Not as much so as the one night stand, but that, and then his feud with The Rock. I think these were situations where people, when they look back on it, made them respect him a lot more because we never got the story of John Cena being like, oh, I didn't want to work there. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be a part of that because I knew I would look bad. Like he knew he was going to look bad in those situations, but like he still was like, this is my job. I'm going out there. I know how it's going to go. Let's go. And not only did he, did he do that, but he reveled in it. He soaked <laughs> it up and he pulled it and he wanted them to do it. And he would go out there and and make them riled up, which was so good. Uh, I want to take a moment because you said that 
accurately. You said that his match with AJ Styles, one of the last matches of his career, is arguably his best match. And the parallel to John Cena has to be The Rock, who, in my opinion, has a similar thing in his career, where I would argue that maybe the best match of his career was his 19 match with Austin, which was almost the last match of his career. Yeah, that's very fair. Like, I, if you wanted to argue that point, I think we totally could. Yeah. yeah. And and I could I could see other matches being being debated, but for me, for me that's that's the match that I would I would settle on for that. Number three. Don't worry, I'm not gonna do that for every number. So my number three pick after much 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 consideration, Kenta Kobashi. Kenta Kobashi is, in my opinion such a big part of so many different parts of of like Puresu that he had to be on this list. And realistically, there are five things that I would have that I feel need to be said. And I'll expand on it, but but five things that I feel like is is the only thing that needs to be said to explain why he's on this list. Kobashi, Misawa, Tale, Kawada, June 1995. That's it. That's it. The Empire Strikes Back of tag team wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, he's not on my list. I'll be very clear about that. I, I do not have the affinity for Japanese wrestling yet. I've watched that tag match. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I was going to say, if not, we're stopping now. No, <laughs> You're going to no, go no, watch no. it. I, I go back to watch like... Uh, most, if not all, I can't say all because it's it's so many, but of um, Kabashi and Misawa's matches because they've had so many good ones. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend, yeah, especially that stretch in the mid '90s, which is just you know like '93 to '97 ish somewhere in that range. Um, but like, so good, so much good stuff. Like I agree. Like just real quick. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just real quick, I would also include um, 2003 was also Kobashi Misawa had a 2003 match in Noah, that is phenomenal. There's there's some slowdown, obviously, but 100% must recommend if you haven't seen it yet. Oh, I I figured I interrupted you. I was gonna let you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I figured you were gonna expand more if you. Oh man, so I could. I yeah. I uh, there's so much to say. I mean. Kobashi is this perfect example throughout his career and even specifically in his matches with like Misawa and the matches he had with like Kawada where he is the example of what Japanese like Royal Road, King's Road wrestling is. He's this passionate guy who isn't looking to just out-wrestle you. These are contests where we as people put everything that we are on the line our hearts, our soul, the 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 like fiery blood, that whole concept. And and again, you you said this about Los Ingobernables, where um they look like anime characters. These matches feel like anime matches, where these guys really are fighting for the essence of themselves, for the the majesty of professional wrestling. And Kobashi is such a stunning example of that. And if you look at so many guys who came after. Uh, the entire style of of Proresu changed because of him, and so many guys who are you know fan favorites now. 
guys like Shingo, guys like Ishii, who are so based on the same sort of, I'm not here to just have a wrestling match. I want to have the best wrestling match, and I want us to beat the shit out of each other. I want us, by the time we're done here, we can't walk. We can't talk. We can barely breathe because we have left every single thing that we are in this wrestling ring. And I just, I think he's the perfect example of that. And you can't, in my opinion, not include someone who arguably got so many uh, wrestling fans through major lulls in wrestling elsewhere by being able to look over to like New Japan or Noah or AJPW and be like this. Cool. This. This is wrestling. This is a whole different kind of emotional wrestling. And and yes, to your point, I'll, I'll just reiterate, sorry, that I'm done. But because I'll go on for hours about this. If you haven't, go watch pretty much any Kobashi Misawa match. Any single one. If you've ever enjoyed a single wrestling move that Eddie Kingston has ever done, you owe it to yourself. Yeah, because they what they are is that that like contest of wills, right? Like you've said it before when you've described uh, New Japan to me about how so much of it is I wrestle like this and I can adapt that a little bit, but mainly I wrestle like this and me going out there and having a match with you is about proving that my style of how I wrestle is better than your style of how you wrestle. And it is very anime, right? Like so many different things. Like I'm not going to go into anime right now, but like, so much of it is you have characters like they they have archetypes and tropes and styles of like i go out here with a sword and i use the sword to win fights i go out here with a gun and i use a gun to kill my enemies i go out here and i can like you know fire laser beams or whatever the case may be or energy or key or something that is what they are and and the contest in a lot of anime is well, this person, we know what he can do. He can do this. What does this one do? Oh, he can do that. It's not the same. Or maybe it is. Who's going to win? And that's what a lot of Japanese wrestling is. Of You know, you have your more of a high flyer versus more of a striker or a grappler or something like that. And a lot of Japanese wrestling even now. And of course, you know, Kabashi Misawa. Like, so much of that is I fight like this my will is strong i fight like this and my will is stronger and that's what this match is and they did it so many times but it's so good uh one of the parallels i see a lot of the time that i have to agree with is the the like we haven't seen enough of it for contract reasons and then covid reasons the the okada ibushi energy it's kind of that same energy where One of these guys is inherently more confident in himself and the other one is hungry. And so they just are these clashing, these pure clash of wills and determination to win the way that they win, which is which is great. And uh, arguably two of the greatest wrestlers in the world right now, hearkening back to two of the greatest wrestlers in the world back then and maybe ever. And in my opinion. Uh, definitely one of them ever. Yes. And I think it segues perfectly into my number three, because my number three is a guy who I think a lot of people can claim is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. 
And he's somebody that clearly you could see the inspiration of from Japanese wrestling. And that guy is Brian Danielson. I I don't think I could have made this list without putting Brian Danielson on it. And it's not just because of who he is as a wrestler. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with his health, the progression that he's made with his health. And this dude is coming back from like CTE symptoms and has somehow managed to make it work. And I hope he continues to make it work, you know, for his own health. But like, he's a medical marvel right now and has been for several years and is still continuing to perform at the level that we haven't seen in a while that he can go out there and have a 60 minute match and be fine. He can go out there and have a, a 40 minute match or a 30 minute match with guys like uh, one is a kid in hangman, Adam page. And the other one is a, a damn near legend in the business in Kenny Omega. And Brian Danielson can go out there with both of them and plenty of others and say, okay, this is fine. This is, this is easy. This is what I do. I beat people up. And much to your point, uh, previously, it, it is that, that style of him. The, I go out here and it's not just, this is my style. No, 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 no. This is pro wrestling. I'm a pro wrestler. I could beat any other pro wrestler however the hell I want. And that's my style. And it's not just that. This is not just the, this is Brian Danielson, the person, not strictly limiting to outside of WWE because I'm including the WWE stuff too. He's a guy that somehow made evented one of the biggest WrestleManias of all time by just yelling yes. He managed to get that over to the extent that people are doing it in sports arenas. <laughs> and it, it's another thing that just transcended wrestling. And we know that this was not the plan. He was never the plan. He was never going to be the guy. He doesn't look like the guy. He doesn't feel like the guy. And that's, that's okay. You know, not everybody gets to be the guy. But the connection that he has with people, because you look at him and you say, that's a wrestler. And it's strange to look at somebody like Brian Danielson and say, that's a wrestler. When you look at him and you watch one of his matches, you're like, oh, no, no, no. That's a wrestler. He's not anything else. He's a wrestler. There's more to him than that, but he's a wrestler. And he's a damn good wrestler. And he can do it in many different styles. And you can go back to his pre-WWE stuff and see that too. The American Dragon, what he is now, back then as well. Go watch his matches. Uh, people like AJ Styles and Brian Danielson. Like, it's there. The, the content is there. The feuds are there. The moments are there. And who he is, is there. And I think who he is, is going to become more and more inspirational to more people who I, I, I didn't say this for Edge before about coming back from like the spinal issues and stuff, but Danielson did it first. He came back from something that he was not supposed to come back from. And a lot of people didn't want him to come back from it just because they're scared. And I think he's done so much to, to quell any of those fears that it speaks more to what he can accomplish. And I think when it's all said and done, even if it's only a few short years away, when he empties the tank, 
I think his body of work will speak for itself. So <clears throat> just a few things I want to say on that. Cause again, I think it's a great pick. I think it's a great pick. Um, actually the, the person who's second on my list, which we'll get to in a minute is the person who edged him out of my list. Uh, but Danielson, uh, so he comes into the WWE and they're like, look what we're going to do. We're going to take maybe the best indie wrestler in the world and we're going to show you why he's a fucking loser. And that was really the plan. It astounds me that you can revisionist history however you want and be like, yeah, well, they wanted to make sure everyone was over on him. So when they brought him up and took him away from the whole Michael Cole fan, it's like, no, no, it wasn't. The entire plan was everyone thinks that Brian Danielson is one of the best wrestlers ever. Let's bring him into the company and show everyone how outclassed he is. And and he just kept proving them wrong. And he kept proving them wrong. And he kept and they would put him in these stupid fucking like concepts, the whole stupid NXT thing, wrong. And then the thing with the Miz, where they expected Miz to be able to just out promo him and be done with it. Wrong. And then he just kept slowly because people wanted him. And they're like, okay, well, we can push him. Fine. We'll, Vince McMahon loves money above everything else. We know this. And so they did. And yeah, he was never supposed to be the guy. But then he was the guy. And he was amazing. And he is amazing. And the amount of good that he has done for wrestling is huge. And it says something when a guy can wrestle a specific kind of style pretty much his entire life. And then have to switch up his style in a relatively, like, noticeable way and not miss a fucking beat. And he did that. And that in and of itself is incredibly uh, uh, impressive. Yeah, to that point in particular, like, that's something that I hope more people take away from this. I don't want people to forget what he went through health-wise. Because you see so many people now where they're taking these scary bumps on their their neck, their spine, their head. You know, the head is usually a, you know, an accident. But like, these are things where it's like, all right, yeah, there's probably a way to do it somewhat safely, but like, still, that's going to hurt a lot, and you don't want to walk away with permanent damage because we've seen that. You know, go back to like Dynamite Kid and stuff. Like, these are guys who suffered for their craft. You know, they they suffered after doing their craft because of what they did. And for somebody like like that, like Dynamite Kid's another guy that you'll get comparisons to Brian Danielson. And, you know, he he's somebody that, like, you know, I considered also for this spot because of, like, you know, what it is. But I hope I, I pick the end of it rather than the start of it because I, I think for the end of it, it's more like, I think it's more like, I hope what we take away from this is that he can teach other people to do this the safest way possible. I feel like we should get to your number two, right? My number two pick, who edged out Brian Danielson, and some people will tell me I'm crazy, but hopefully by the end of this argument, you'll understand why. Even if maybe some people will have the class to understand why why it was from the beginning. Yeah, I'll say it. Harley Race. Harley Race is... I, I would consider a, a godfather in wrestling. He, on top of, not even talking about how many fingers he had and how many pies, because we could do that. 
we could have so many conversations about how many people he not just influenced but trained and how far those people got based on the things that he taught them but some of his matches were just a completely different level you look at him and like uh, uh dory funk had this just barn burner of a match and there's a lot of his, the matches in his career that are completely above what you would expect uh, uh, even to hold up today. Because there are a lot of people, uh, like my partner's one of them, where it's hard to watch some old wrestling because you're so, you, you've you seen so much evolution now. And I don't fault anyone for this. It's not a bad take, but you've seen so much evolution now that going back four or five or six or seven generations and looking at what wrestling looked back back in the 70s and the 80s, and maybe even the the like early 90s sometimes, there's such a disconnect from what wrestling as a concept is today that it's like, this is boring. This is weird. This is just not enough anymore. These are basic things that everyone does all the time now. And you could still watch a lot of Harley Races matches today and come away being like, this is a great match. This is a great match. Even if you started watching wrestling in like 2015, 16, 17, a year ago, your friend was like, hey, check out AEW, and you checked out AEW. If you go back and watch any number of Harley Race matches, you will still be like, this was phenomenal. On top of that, one of the coolest things for me, and the reason why I think Harley Race really is the second best wrestler ever, is if you look at... Uh, the way that wrestling has evolved, like like I said at the beginning of this, so much of it is influenced from him. So much is, even if he didn't train you, because he trained a lot of people, he trained a lot of world champions, but even if you don't just look at that, just look at the pacing, the way that he paced his matches, look at the way that he presented, not necessarily the words or the, the uh, direction, but the way that he presented his promos, building those matches. He's one of those guys who spent so much time doing the thing that like Paul Heyman does now, which he's attributed to Harley Race, where it's about building up your opponent. I'm going to promo and I'm going to talk about how good you are. I'm going to talk about how you're a top tier, top, you're a main event guy, you're a world champion, but I'm Harley Race. I'm the king. I'm better than you because no one's better than Harley Race. And then he'd prove it. And uh, I think maybe to a point, you could even look back at like another one of my picks with the revival and see so much influence from from him there in the way that they tell their stories in the ring. That's another thing he did so well, right? You look at he, so many matches uh, where he's defended like the NWA championship and he doesn't have to be the heel who's a, who's afraid of you. He doesn't have to present himself even necessarily as the just I'm going to out wrestle you guy. He's just going to be like, this is my belt. It's my belt because it's my belt because I'm the king. I'm I'm Harley Race. Who else would have this belt if it wasn't me? And it's so good. Um, and his, his just everything about him is phenomenal. And I don't think we'll ever stop being able to see his impact in wrestling. Yeah, and I think we would see even more if Triple H were still in a, a higher position of power because that's a really obvious person who has been so influenced by Harley Race. Uh, yeah, it, Harley Race is another one that my dad absolutely loved. He loved to hate 
Harley Race. Like he he wanted to see people fight and beat up Harley Race because he was like, that's a bad man. It's like it's it's a respectable bad man, but like he's a bad man, you know. And and I love that. Like I love what that is. It's it's a lot of wrestling back then had like these really simple characters executed flawlessly. And I think that's one of the the big disconnects with me in wrestling now, where it's like you have these really complicated characters executed poorly. And I'm like, that's why, again, Brian Danielson's on my list because Brian Danielson's a guy where I'm like, this is such a simple concept. And I feel like he executes it at like a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 all the time. And because he lives it. And Harley Race is a guy that lived it. You know, this is pre, oh, kayfabe is broken. We know wrestler is scripted and all that jazz, right? But like Harley Race is, is a guy that like, if Harley Race like met you in an airport and you pissed Harley Race off, Harley Race would kill you because <laughs> he's Harley Race. Like he will do that. And I believe he will do that. You know, I don't need a story to tell me he'll do it. Like, you know, call Arn Anderson, like he'll get the Glock. Like, come on, like Harley Race don't need a Glock. Harley Race will do it himself with his bare hands because he's a bad man and he's the king and he's sometimes the champion. And I think for that time, like, he was one of the people that was, like, like a record holder world champion at the time, like, like five or six-time NWA champion. Or The territories get sketchy to me. But still, like, like he was a multi-time champion in a lot of different areas. And he was a huge name from that era, 100%. Yeah. Uh, another guy who just I could talk about forever, and you bring up Triple H, who is – Obviously, you know, the most notable of the the graduates of, of Harley Race. And it's a big part of why, especially watching through NXT 2.0, so many guys who compare some of them to who they were before they got there and after they got there and see how much of Harley Race you can catch in them. Even guys like Johnny Gargano, right? Guys who don't wrestle the like Harley Race style, but look at him in Evolve. Then look at him in NXT. You will see the imprint of Harley Race on him. And it's so cool to be able to see things like that so clearly. And with that, I think it takes us to your, unless there's something else you want to say, it takes no, us no, to No, 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 your... it segues perfectly, man. It segues perfectly. Excellent. Because uh, you brought up NXT. And oh, I, I think, and I'm, again, it, this is one of those things that just lines up where I'm in the same era you are, only I went a different course with it. And I, I went dusty. Uh, I think Dusty Rhodes is my number two. Uh, why? Because not only then, but also now. And I'll steal from WWE forever. Uh, he's a guy who absolutely, back in the day, defined that that everyman babyface, right? He was like, like the hard times promo, right? You, you look at it and you just say, like, he's the, the ultimate every man underdog who usually has to go beat some like bad guy champion sometimes to win the title sometimes not i know some people didn't like dusty because of like when he got in charge of booking blah 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 power trip look at everybody else who did that but as i said it was then now and forever right that's that's him that's his legacy that's what he does in wrestling like he he's another one of those guys who had the mind for it and he had the mind for it back then he knew who he was he didn't look like what you would expect to be a world champion wrestler he didn't have the body type for it he was this 
the son of a plumber, right? Like he's this everyman. He's a guy who is going to associate with the audience really well. And he's going to build his reputation off of that connection. And he did. And it wasn't about style with him necessarily in terms of what his wrestling was, but it was about his look. And the substance was his character. So he had it. He had both. And he never really had the, the WWF run coming over because they looked at him the same way they would look at a Brian Danielson coming over of, you don't look like what we want. We get it. You're hot shit where you come from. But once you come here, you're not. So we're just going to send you out there to fail. And it's not until more recently that fans of just the WWE, WWF, who didn't know him from back then, didn't know him from war games. They didn't know him from his feuds in the territories. They didn't know him as, you know, NWA world champion. They didn't know any of that stuff. They know him as, I don't know how to label it properly. You, you said, what, like a godfather for Harley Race? He's kind of the godfather of NXT a little bit, where he's the guy who sat back there and he figured out how to give these people the best shot to succeed. And it, so many people have done that. Like they've talked about how they didn't know what they were doing. They couldn't figure it out. They came up with a dozen ideas, sent them to creative. And Dusty was the one that figured out that one. Try that one. You know, I'm the only guy giving you a shot right now. The next day we're doing promos, do that. That's going to catch somebody's eye. And it worked. I think Tyler Breeze is a guy that pointed something out like that, where he was like, didn't know what I was doing, came up with the, the gorgeous gimmick. Dusty was like, you know what? Give it a shot. Why not? Try it. You know, at worst case scenario, we're going to be like, nah, back to the drawing board. All right. But like, he has an eye for it. Well, he had an eye for it. He had an eye for like figuring out what works and what doesn't. And another big piece of him is that he has two kids who are in this business and they have eyes for it too in different ways. And I'm not going to say they're on the same level as Dusty. And I'm not going to say that like, you know, oh, Dusty gets legacy points just because he had children. But AEW exists because of Dusty Rhodes. NXT, even 2.0, exists because of Dusty Rhodes. Many people, whether or not they had a slew of experience coming into NXT, are better for having been in the room with Dusty Rhodes. And they will tell you that. And combine that with his actual body of work, which I'm not going to say is the best body of work among anybody on all of our lists, but it's still pretty damn good because he told stories. He told very relatable stories. And that's something that I gravitate toward. I've said this before, like you're splitting it down the middle. I'm 51% into the storytelling, 49% the in-ring work, right? It's splitting hairs, but still. Dusty was a storyteller. He was a damn good storyteller. His character was someone that he knew he could bring people in to see. And so that's what he did. You know, it, it sounds so basic. And it, it was kind of basic, but, but he did it well. He executed it well. As I said before, it's like the simple character, execute it perfectly. That's what he did. And he taught other people how to do the same. 
And I can only hope they continue to spread that because that's what makes good wrestling, at least to me. And that's why he's on my list. That's an absolutely fantastic pick. And everything you said is, is so perfectly uh, aligned with who he was. And we talked about William Regal last week and how, you know, a lot of people, most people who are big right now will, will point to William Regal and be like, you know, he was a big part of me getting there. Most people who are big, almost every major star in the business right now, outside of a handful of names in AEW who never passed through the circuit, will do the same thing for Dusty Rhodes. Well, straight up, you know, Dusty Rhodes is why I am who I am. He he helped me with the small things. He helped me with the big things. He helped me when I was high. He helped me when I was low. He made sure that I never gave up, and he made sure I pushed through. And so many people who even just passively were inspired by Dusty because, yeah, he never got what he deserved in WWE, but he was an NWA champion. And for all the for all the faults that may have come from booking, you you still have a lot of people who were inspired by look at this guy who is not physically what you would expect of a world champion, who has this incredibly prominent speech impediment, and look at him go. And if he can do that, I can do it. Hell, not even just wrestling. If he can do the things he does as well as he does, I can do whatever it is that I'm trying to do. And that's that's what got him over so much in the NWA and why he was able to connect so much with the crowd is he was, like you said, he was he was a guy. He was a, a, a real person who was able to put himself out there and go, I'm going to have the confidence and belief in me to be able to beat you. Whoever it was. Yeah, you look at somebody like a Keith Lee who has that, like now Keith Lee is a hell of an athlete. But a part of it is that as you look at Keith Lee and you say like a man that size shouldn't be able to do what he does. And that's because like you would look at somebody like that and look at somebody who kind of has a similar body type in Dusty Rhodes and just say like, yeah, man, like that's not a pro wrestler. Because, you know, he, he's out of shape. He doesn't look like he can hang. But then he goes out there and he does. And that's something that you look at. And as you said, like, it inspires people to say, oh, he can do it. Maybe I can do it. Or from the other side, the business side, yeah, Dusty can do it. And Dusty puts butts in seats. This guy's coming in with a tryout, like, I'm not just going to turn him away just because he doesn't look like what I expected. And based on that, people get opportunities. And that's great. Like, the more we get that, the better. No, number one? Yes, number one. Uh, All right. I'm 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 so curious about which person it is because, like, I have a list of, like, a couple. And I'm like... My number one pick? Go with it. So, uh, this is, for me kind of a, a distancing from the other names on my list because every other name on my list, I feel like has been based at least in, in ma- major part on their impact on the business, uh, generally actively, not passively, the things that they actively did to create something new or, or important or big in wrestling. This person, in my opinion, and I, this is a bold claim, is the greatest wrestler to have ever existed, ever. 
Manami Toyota. I I am so so a hundred percent being honest when I make that statement. And I don't know that anyone will ever dethrone her, in my mind at least, as factually the greatest wrestler of all time. Dave Meltzer's star ratings are not a metric by which to judge people. She has 17 five-star matches. 17. It's it's a big deal. Um, the the Japanese the the Japanese Ocean Suplex. Incredible move. Her match with um uh oh, what is her name? Kyoko in a way. That's the match. Kyoko in a way. 1992. I can't remember the month. I apologize for that. I'll look it up. I'll put it in the like info on YouTube or something. Is probably her best match ever. That match is leaps and bounds ahead of its time. And the things that she was able to do in the ring and the pace that she was able to keep as much as she did, as long as she did, was incredible. Absolutely unparalleled watching this woman work. She was perfect, in my opinion. Uh, she, She's just as as agile and as graceful as anyone you've ever seen in the ring with the most impactful-looking suplexes and and just strikes. And it didn't matter what it was that she was doing. She excelled. And I I literally am, am almost willing to be like, watch any, any of her matches, and you'll see what I'm talking about. If you haven't, 100% do. If you have and you disagree with me, okay, I respect that. You're wrong, but I respect that. She is by far and large the greatest wrestler of all time. And it's a goddamn shame that things were what they were for the majority of her time active because there are matches that I would have given the opportunity, flown my ass halfway across the world to watch that we never got to see. Yeah, it was April 25th, okay. 1992. I looked it up for you. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you made this pick because, um, you know, our lists have gone in very different directions and they're going to continue going in very different directions. Um, again, your affinity for Japanese wrestling is much higher than mine, but I appreciate women's wrestling a great deal. And this is something where, especially for the era, you were not getting it. And it's a damn shame that the 90s into the 2000s, maybe even into the early 2010s, when you see like stardom really rising and and the WWE giving women a chance and AJPW. Uh, just so many people like for so many years who could have done something amazing and and never got the opportunity to. And this is one where fortunately she came around at a time where everything was getting videotaped. So you can go back and watch stuff and a person's legacy is not just, Oh, word of mouth or something written down in a newspaper. This is something that actually you can go back and watch now. And I sure you would say this, you encourage people to do so because why the hell not? Um, finish, finish this episode first, but then yes. 
Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and you know, and hell, if you want to appreciate it, you can always pause us, go watch it, and then come back. Yeah. Either way, that works. So that you too can know who the true greatest wrestler of all time is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm surprised, number one, but I agree. I, I get it. I understand it completely. And yeah, I Japan is something like, of course, during that era of Japanese wrestling, I would have no way to access. And I think it's the same for you where this is like a, a much in retrospect. Absolutely. But, but, but yeah, you can still appreciate things like that. And this is, this is 100% not what you said about Harley race. This is not, Oh, this is old wrestling and you're not going to get it. You know, you might not connect to it. No, this is something you'll connect with unless you just can't watch women's wrestling for some reason. This is 100% something that you will appreciate it's when I, when I say it's like decades ahead of its time, I really do mean that it's incredible. And she constantly would pull out moves that you've just never seen before or that you saw so sparingly. And now like, obviously a lot of these things are more common. Although again, when was the last time you saw a Japanese ocean suplex? It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. There are so many of these moves that, that she just was able to, to present that, like you said, even now, it holds up. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, go pick out some of her matches. Go pick out, like, one of those five-star matches. You know, go find a four and a half or even a four. You could probably pluck it out, put it on TV in the middle of somebody else's broadcast right now, and it will fit. It'll be fine. You'll be able to watch it and understand it start to finish and probably be very entertained. Okay, so with that, my number one. And if you notice my list, I've kind of constructed it in a pretty specific way where you have Dusty from one era, Cena from one era, Danielson kind of from one era, like or at least current, and that leaves one gap that's still open. And I didn't go the technical wrestling side with this one, although this individual does have one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, this person is the biggest star from the hottest period of wrestling of all time. And it's obviously Goldberg. Um, no, it's it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I That's the wrong just, bald guy. I know they look so similar. Um yeah, it's no, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's uh he's he's the pick. He's he wasn't my number one for a while, but once I got to the point where I was like, the best wrestler who's made the biggest impact. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's um, that without hyperbole, this guy hit a level as a professional wrestler that I don't know if anybody could ever hit again. And if they can, wow, hats off to them. I would love to see them try. Um, be it promos or actual in-ring work, which he is somehow underrated in his ring work, which is crazy to think about. Um, and I think a part of that is because so many matches in the Attitude Era were these big, overbooked, interference-laden things, and half the time he's working with Vince, so, like, you know, you're only going to get so much out of that. But, like, putting it all together, the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin, I will take Austin from, like, 96 to 2000, what, three? was when he retired. You can't even crop out half of 2001. 2002, sure. 
Right. I, I think he had one match in 2003. So, that was, all things considered. That was when he came Because 19 was 2003. Yeah, but that was after he came back. He Like, so, because he left, remember, because he left in 2002 yeah, yeah. after he had the whole, like, kerfuffle with, with the end of yeah, the booking and... Rock. Yeah. Well, there was stuff was, leading up to that. Yeah, there was a lot. There was yeah. a lot. And, and yeah, I think you could get into it, like, there are reasons that you could look at Austin, the person, and say, ooh, there's reasons to not like him. And I think that's fair. Um, I think the reason why he's still on this spot on my list, instead of other people that you maybe could make those same comments about, is they never hit the highs that Austin did. The high of Austin is higher than any other peak of any other wrestler ever. And I don't even know if that that's an exaggeration by much, if it's an exaggeration at all. And uh, this is something where the, the watch chance were still a thing. The Austin 316, the middle finger, the smoking skull, all of that stuff, the image, the <laughs> black vest with the black trunks. That's all it is. He's just a badass guy goes out he beats you up he has one of the best finishing moves in all of pro wrestling which is also crazy to think about put it all together the complete package stone cold steve austin i will take even just those years but he has more too you can even look at him before that where he's still a good wrestler and it's amazing to think about that it's absolutely amazing and I think we're almost lucky that we got to live through that and experience it firsthand because it seems almost like a fever dream looking back on it of how nuclear the crowds would go when the glass shatters. It's the theme song. It's the walk. It's the attitude. It's the beer drinking. It's, it's all of it. Like put it all together. You can see like, hell the top star right now in AEW in hangman, Adam page, is who he is and people connect to him because they look at him as like a are you the second coming of stone cold steve austin and he's not he's the first coming of hangman adam page i want to make that clear distinction but people will look at him and give him that chance just because they know who stone cold steve austin is that's crazy and that's why he's my number one an absolutely phenomenal number one pick Austin did so much for wrestling, and <clears throat> you're right. He he is absolutely underrated as far as, like, bell-to-bell goes. Some of, I'm going to lean back into Harley Race for a bit, some of my favorite Austin matches are Austin Triple H and watching the two of them work because he, whether they're just throwing fists, and by the way, Austin's character work in the ring is almost unparalleled. Uh, and so watching him and Triple H, even if they're just throwing fists, uh, or if they're they're wrestling on the mat, which they did quite a lot, there's so much happening in everything they do. Uh, uh, and you're right, there has never really been a response to a wrestler the way there was to Austin, ever. And whether we'll ever get that again, I don't know. Um, and I think that it says a lot if you look at like our top fours, yours and mine, as to where we what we value and what we we see, and also just what our influences are in wrestling, right? Which is really cool. And Austin, I think, is 
hell, just our number one picks are such great examples of exactly that. Austin is this this phenomenal character who has so much that grew and shaped itself. And really, even though, you know, we never really get into the ringmaster and we never get into stunning Steve, these are parts that shaped who Steve Austin would become when he finally was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Fuck this. I'm I'm going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Fuck this. I'm not going to let you give me another gimmick. I'm not a gimmick. I'm I'm a, a angry, stomp a mud hole in your ass, have a beer, tell you to go fuck yourself, head to the side a little bit, boom, stunner, I'm going home. And that's it. And it's great. And then I have the wrestler, <laughs> which is really cool. I I think Austin's a great pick. I could, man. Yeah, there are so many. There are so many matches that. Well, yeah, I'll throw out the one that I please. I didn't even yeah, go. Mention of Austin and Brett from Mania 13, where it's one of my favorite matches of all time, and one of the big reasons for that is. It's a perfectly executed double turn where Austin enters the heel, leaves the face. Brett enters the face, leaves the heel. Neither man cut a promo. Nobody talked. It was all in the ring, but it told that story. Also, Ken Shamrock was there, but it, it, he was. Um, but yeah, like that, that match is so good. It's so, like it holds up. You can go watch it now. It is crazy good. And yeah, like what you said, his matches with Triple H, watch their three stages of hell match that they had with each other. A match where this is designed for the baby face to win. And he doesn't, but you feel exhausted and you don't feel like anybody won that match. You just look at it and you're like, okay, these two hated each other, so they tried to kill each other. And in the wrestling ring, they played by the rules. They tried to win, but man, you could feel it. You could feel the intensity from Stone Cold Steve Austin every single time he went out there. And you mentioned it before, his uh, final match in the trilogy with The Rock, the best one of the trilogy with The Rock. That match is not technically sound in the ways that a lot of the other matches are. Part of it because... Austin's like half dead going into it. But damn, if that doesn't tell a story. It, if that's how he's going out, if that's how that character ends, man, it is such a good fitting way to just be like, he left it all out there. The badass went out fighting his last fight. He went down swinging and he lost to a guy that finally got to beat him. And that was, that was the end of that chapter. Yeah, again, like I could gush more about him, but I'm, I'm not going to because I think anybody who knows anything about Stone Cold Steve Austin knows why Stone Cold Steve Austin would be in this spot. And one thing I'll say is uh, like after his, his in-ring career ended, if you just look at like the podcast and his interviews, man, there there is just something about it that he gets. He gets it. He gets the business so well. And he understood it so well, the way to work, the way to promo, the way to character, all these things. Some he picked up over the years from people, obviously, but just he has such a great mind for wrestling. And it's always such a joy to listen to him talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Like 
you know, I, I haven't listened to his podcast in a while, but I have before. And he's, I love when he will have somebody on and they'll talk about matches. They'll talk like about specific moments in specific matches where he gets it, just as you said, he gets it of, all right, we're going to do this for this reason. You're going to, I remember him telling a story about like, I think it was like him in the big show where it was for like a live crowd or a dark match or something where he was just like, every time I give you a stunner, it pops the crowd. So you want to just take like six stunners in a row? And show was like, what? He was like, it's going to get us both over. So screw it. Why not? All right, fine. And he would just like keep stunning Big Show. And Big Show would like go down and then get up and whatever. And he would just walk around, drink a beer, come back, stun him again. And yada, yada. And he's like, yeah, because these people paid to see this. So who cares? It doesn't impact anything doing this for a live crowd. You're a giant. It makes sense that I can stun you like six times and you'll still get up. It's fine, right? It's not going to make you look bad. It's not going to make me look bad. Everybody goes home happy. That's why we do this, right? Okay, cool. Bet, let's go. And just little things like that. Just perfect. Yeah, there was there was one where he had Bailey on, I think it was, and he was talking to her about, about similar things where they were just discussing why you do what you do. I think he's talking to her about uh, the match she had at TakeOver with Sasha. Um, the match you are talking about is definitely the one. Uh, Sasha and Bailey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure it was the takeover match. And she's like, you know, uh, we were having the match. And it was that thing where she's in the corner. And Bailey always does the, like, little swing with her hands before she goes running into the corner. And she's like, well, I wasn't sure if at the, if at the time I should do it. I should not do it. She ends up doing it. And Austin's just like, well, yeah, it's your brand. It's Ultimately, you are trying to win your match. And everyone understands that. The stakes of this match have been explained and presented perfectly but if you don't do it while giving these people the you that you are they're going to expect someone else and if you're not doing that yeah then remember that and i remember him specifically mentioning where it's like it's fine that's excusable one because of what you just said but the more important thing is every single time you got her down you hooked the legs deep and you went for a cover and because you tried to win because that's what you're there for yep yeah, and, and he has so many of those conversations with so many people, which are just absolutely phenomenal to listen to. I remember um, when when you and I were uh, part of the the wrestling game that we were doing, the, the um, RPG, where one of the things I did was just to just to brush up on myself was I sat down and I listened to him and Jr. Him and JR have an episode, I forget whose pod, it's on one of their podcasts, and they're just talking about promos. You got to believe your promo. You got to understand and believe what you're saying. Doesn't matter if it's true or not, you have to think it's true. If if you're Stone Cold Steve Austin, you got to believe you're Stone Cold Steve Austin. And if you're going to walk a mud hole in this guy, you got to walk a mud hole in this guy. You got to mean it. You got to commit yourself. And And it's just, it's so fantastic listening to him just talk about wrestling. Yeah, I, I said last week talking about Jade Cargill um, and a lot of like newer, greener wrestlers that aren't quite there yet. One of the big things that's a, a tell that you can see that somebody is, is newer generally is when they're like waiting for something to happen. 
because they know that a move is coming. They need to know to expect it. Like their opponent's supposed to do something. So it's a little bit of like the, the veil gets lifted and you can see the choreography aspect of it where it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be standing over here because then they're going to do this. Austin was somebody where it's like, I'll bring up the three stages of hell thing again. If you pay really close attention to that match, you can see him and Triple H like calling it on the fly. Like they're discussing with each other, like I'm going to do this and then you're going to do that. Okay, cool. Actually do this. Make it look like that. Da, 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 all that stuff. He's so good at that. And much to the promo aspect. Yeah, it is because it's all about he is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Triple H is Triple H. Like these are two guys that are going out there and there's no questioning what's going to happen next. If he loses the script in the middle of the match for some reason, he's going to walk over there and punch him in the face because that's what Stone Cold Steve Austin would do. You know, what's the next step to take? I'm going to punch him. I'm going to kick him. I'm going to try and give him a stunner. And somewhere in this, we'll figure out what to do next. Yeah, I I think that the we've had such a fantastic opportunity tonight to really go over these these people, these characters, these these wrestlers who, regardless of where we we agree or disagree, are without a doubt some of the greatest in their craft. With that said, it has been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you, and I look forward to maybe even revisiting this topic in a couple of years, but. In the interest of trying to get you near your number, though I'm not promising anything, I think this is just about where we're going to ha- wrap it for tonight. Yeah, this has been a wonderful hour and 45 minutes straight. Uh, it's probably been a little longer than that. Wonderful hour and 45 minutes. But thank you for listening, everybody. Absolutely. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe if you're listening to us over on YouTube. Or if you're listening anywhere else, make sure you turn on your notifications so you'll know when the next episode comes out. If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, or feelings on anything we've talked about tonight, let us know. Uh, We're on Twitter at SquaredCircleSD. Let me know what you think of our picks. Let us know what your top four or five or whatever you want to consider your Mount Rushmore is. We want to hear it. With that, Thanks for listening. Have a good night, and we'll be back here next week with another episode of Squared Circle Sit Down.